Good evening, and welcome to episode nine of Dinnertime Discipleship with the Patel family. I'm your host, Neeraj Patel, and as always, we've got the, the whole crew here. Uh, Christine. Hi. Uh, Noah. Hey. Noah's 15. I, I keep repeating people's ages every time we do this. It's very repetitive. I know that. But we do it because there's new people listening all the time, and they're, they might be wondering, how old are the kids, right? So I'm just let's back up a little bit. I'm 40. Uh, my wife Christine's 25, so I'm I'm pretty lucky. Uh, <laughs> Noah's 15. That's Leela, our youngest, dropping stuff everywhere. How old are you, Leela? Seven. Yeah, and Eva, our middle child, she is 13. Mm-hmm. Um, couple of announcements. Oh yeah, so we. The kids got their, their vaccinations on Friday, so they're real excited about that. And I only mention that because they're not feeling so hot right now, especially Noah. And so, uh, you know, if they're a little they're slacking a bit, you'll have to bear with them. A um, couple of announcements. Our Facebook page is finally up. The handle is at Dinnertime Discipleship. And so you can find us by punching that into Facebook, the, the search bar. Right now, it's just a collection of all of our podcasts, but I'm sure eventually we'll branch out to, to getting some other material on there. Um, I also mentioned this last time, but we're finally up on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and iHeartRadio and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Podbean and uh, pretty much every major platform, uh, every major podcast platform except for Pandora. We're still working on that one. So um as soon as we get that going, we'll be sure to announce that as well. Uh, Eva, before we kick things off, would you please lead us in prayer? Dear God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, thank you that thank you for letting us live another day, and that we have lives filled with wonderful people who care about us and are always willing to help. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross and to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> okay, so we wrapped up the, uh, chapter one of Romans, and today we're going to dive into chapter two. Um for the benefit of the kids and really myself too, I'm, I'm reading from the easy to read version, the ERV. Uh, I'll, I'll confess that while all my peers and my wife and every other adult I know reads from something like the ESV or NIV or whatever, uh, I like to read from the ERV because I have, you know, ADD and uh, it keeps me from paying attention and just... Uh, Anyway, it's easier to follow along, I think. It's easier to read and easier to digest. So here we are in Romans 2 in the ERV version. And this is about judging, about judging other people. So do you think that you can judge those other people? You are wrong. You too are guilty of sin. You judge them, but you do the same things they do. So when you judge them, you are really condemning yourself. God judges all who do such things, and we know his judgment is right. And since you do the same things as those people you judge, surely you understand that God will punish you too. 
How could you think you would be able to escape his judgment? God has been kind to you. He has been very patient, waiting for you to change. But you think nothing of his kindness. Maybe you don't understand that God is kind to you so that you will decide to change your lives. I think we can stop there for now. Actually, I think we can, uh, might go into the next paragraph a little bit. But you are so stubborn. You refuse to change. So you are making your own punishment greater and greater. You will be punished on the day when God will show his anger. On that day, everyone will see how right God is to judge people. He will reward or punish everyone for what they have done. Some people live for God's glory, for honor, and for life that cannot be destroyed. They live for those things by always continuing to do good. God will give eternal life to them. But others are selfish and refuse to follow truth. They follow evil. God will show his anger and punish them. He will give trouble and suffering to everyone who does evil, to the Jews first and also to those who are not Jews. But he will give glory, honor, and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jews first and also to those who are not Jews. God judges everyone the same. It doesn't matter who they are. Okay, so there's two paragraphs I read there. The first one was about judging other people. And what right do we have to judge other people? None. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> All right, let's and back it up a little. <laughs> the second paragraph is about God's judgment on us and our, our own stubbornness and refusal to change, to change our ways. So let's tackle both of those, right? So let's start with the first paragraph. Um, this is being written to who? This is the book of Romans. So who's writing this letter and to whom is it being written? Paul's writing it to Romans. Who are the Romans? Like what? The, the Caesar? The Roman church. The Roman church. Okay. Which is a church in the city of? Rome. Why are you all confused? Rome. That's correct. Rome is a city? <laughs> yes. It's also its own country. Rome is not its own country. No, it's not. The Vatican is its own country. Is the Vatican not in Rome? It is in Rome, but Rome is not Vatican its own country. Okay. Like, a square is a rectangle, but not all rectangles are squares. Yes. So, Rome today is a city. It was once a city before that. In between, it was an empire that spanned most of Europe and North Africa and the Middle or the Near East. And now it's shrunk back down to being a, a city again. Um, okay, so that was kind of a detour. So this is a letter by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And what is he talking about? What's the message? He's, what's the main message he's trying to communicate? Don't judge people for doing things that you already do. Don't judge people. Say it again. Don't judge people for doing things that you already do. What's the name for that? Like, what's hypocrisy? There you go. <laughs> uh, hypocrisy. That's right. Don't be a hypocrite. So you think you can judge those other people? You're wrong. You too are guilty of sin. You judge them, but you do the same things they do. So when you judge them, you are really condemning yourself. Leela, what does that mean? When you judge those other people, 
you are really condemning yourself. What does that mean? Good question. Condemn means to uh, basically say that um, you're guilty and you're, you're going to be punished. So if I am judging Noah and I do the same things that, that he's doing, the same bad things that he's doing, and I say, hey, I'm condemning you, Noah. You're going to hell or whatever bad thing I want to say to him. Paul says I'm really condemning myself. What does that mean? Like, why? Why is that true? You're, you're kind of calling yourself guilty because if this guy does the same thing that you do, and it's a bad thing, then... You're making yourself guilty. Hold on, she's finishing her talk. You're making yourself guilty. Well, you're already guilty in the first place. You're just announcing that you're guilty. Right, so I think I think you're both right. Leela, I think you're you're very close. The idea is that if an action is wrong, if it's sinful, and you're saying it's sinful, if I'm saying, no, you're doing something sinful, but I do the exact same thing, then I'm a sinner too, right? And I deserve whatever punishment Noah's getting, I deserve the same punishment as well, right? So that's what he's saying. And what's the context? Do you, Christine, do you know the context here? Like what, what is, why was this an issue? Why is Paul even talking about this? Quite honestly, I don't know much about this particular, like the context of what was going on here. But I do have a question. So my question is, um, you know, God, it, it looks like here what Paul is saying is don't judge others. But if you go back to the Old Testament, we have a whole book dedicated to judges and how God appointed people to be judges over the people. This was back before there was uh, kings. So it sounds like the Bible is contradicting itself. Do you know what contradicting means? It means you're saying one thing and then you're saying another thing that's the opposite. So it sounds like God is saying in the Old Testament, I want there to be judges. But then here in Romans, Paul is saying, slow down. I don't want you to judge so much. So what, what's, what's correct? How do we reconcile that? Bueller. Bueller. Hmm? Okay, so here's what I think. Um, I think that what Paul is saying here in Romans is that if you're going to be a judge, you need to look carefully at yourself first. It's not that Paul is saying, don't judge anybody ever. He's saying, check yourself first, which is very consistent with what Jesus said. Do you remember what Jesus said about judging other people? Judge, and you don't have the right to. Well, maybe you do. No, that's not what he said. He, Jesus never said, don't judge other people. Only judge them if you don't. Only judge them if you don't do what you're judging them for. Yes, I remember when Eva was really little. She said, make sure you take the booger out of your own eye before you take a booger out of someone else's eye. <laughs> But really what that, what that scripture meant was if you're going to judge somebody else, check yourself first. Make sure that you're, you're straight, that you're right before you judge other people. Um, I think it's a very common misconception um, among Christians even, and even people who aren't Christians, that um, it's not okay to judge people. Only God can judge me. And I don't think that that's correct. Because like I said, in the Old Testament, God lays out people who are 
their, their job is to be a judge. And, you know, as Christians, we should have good judgment. We should be able to decide that things are right or things are wrong. If there's somebody that we love that we notice is doing something wrong, is it okay for us to judge them, to say something? Should we say something? If we're a Christian and, and there's another person who's a Christian who's doing something wrong, should we say something? Sure. Maybe just tell them that they're doing it, but don't say that it's, don't say like, you shouldn't be doing that. Just say, hey. Mm. Fix it. Or hey, this is what, okay. I think you're still making a judgment though, because you're looking at scripture and you're looking at this person and they're not matching up. That's making a judgment. You're deciding that this person's behavior is not matched up with scripture. So what do you do? Three minutes? That's a long time. I think that you should, as a Christian, say something. You are making a judgment. But before you say something, check yourself first. Now, does that mean that because I'm not perfect, I don't have a right to say anything? No. I think that the, the distinction that Paul's making here, the, the way that he's saying it's different, is that um, we're very quick, people are very quick to condemn other people for doing things that we're doing instead of, and we're acting like, I don't do those things when really we do. We're, we're deceiving ourselves and lying to ourselves. So if I get upset with you, Leela, for lying, I'm not saying that you're a big fat liar, you're not, but if I get upset with you for lying, then I should make sure I'm not a big fat liar. It's like, us. Go ahead. Like, um, if your pants are unbuttoned, and then you see another guy's pants are unbuttoned. You're like, oh, button your pants. So then go tell the other guy his pants are unbuttoned. <laughs> yes. Well, it has a lot to do with what your motivation is. Why are you judging that person? Is it to help build them up, to help them improve their spiritual lives or walk with Jesus? Is it coming from a good place in your heart? Or is it coming from a bad place in your heart? Are you being prideful and arrogant? So I could look at Noah and let's say he's uh, lying and I lie too. I could say, Noah, you're a liar and you're going to hell and you suck and you're an idiot. I could say that. That's coming from a place. <laughs> That's coming from a place of judgment, right? It's not to benefit you in any way. It's not because I'm trying to help you in any way. It's just because I feel better than you and I feel like rubbing it in your face. That is fake Christianity, American Christianity 101. That's what people love to do. And hold on, baby. But I'll, I'll get to you in just a minute. So people love to do that. In fact, to be honest, I just did it when I just said that, right? I'm judging those Christians for American Christians for and fake Christians for doing the very thing that I just did. So uh, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, you can fall into it very quickly. But... Let's say that I, I, you're a liar and I'm a liar too, but I come alongside you and say, hey man, we're, I know we're both struggling with, with this sin, with lying, and I don't think it's good for you. I want you to get better. I want to get better. Let's work on it together. Let's hold each other accountable. Yes. That's, that's, that's good. That's beneficial, right? It's, like it's building each other up. The Bible calls it ironing, sharpening, sorry, iron sharpening iron. So you mean the conditions for judging are you should make sure you don't do it? And the reason you're doing it is good. Like if you 
if you're doing it for a good reason, like if you're trying to make him stop sitting, or if you're um, if you're just trying to do it to make yourself feel good, or to make the other person feel bad, or just rub it in their face, like you said. I mean, if you're gonna boil it down to a flow chart, then I guess that's pretty accurate. Noah thinks in flow charts. <laughs> <laughs> He's got little like boxes and circles and arrows. Yeah. But I think you no. Know, to your first point, you said something about how you know make sure that you don't do it first. Um, I don't think that's necessary. I think that it, it's very helpful, especially if you're trying to minister to somebody who, who has that sin problem. But I don't think it's <clears throat> that you have to be clear of sin because nobody's clear of sin ever. And if that if that was the case, that we all have to be clear of sin before we can call out somebody else on theirs, then nobody would ever become better. Uh, what were you going to say, Leela? You said that... Um... Okay, when you said that, um, like, Noah's saying Noah was doing a bad thing or lying, um, like, and then you're like, Noah, you lied, I'm way better than you. That kind of reminds me of, um, on one of the last podcasts, um, it was about, like, Sarai and Hagar, and Hagar was pregnant, so, um, she was like, ah, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's kind of like that. That's exactly right. But Sarai did the same thing to Hagar, right? Because Hagar was her slave. So she wasn't, Sarai wasn't any better than Hagar was. You understand what I'm saying? Did God love Sarai more? No, he made a promise to her. You sure you didn't love her more? Yeah. You got to speak because the microphone can't hear your nods or you're shaking your head. So, so I'll ask you again, did, did God love, God made a promise to Sarai that he did not make to Hagar, but does that mean that God loved Sarai more than he, more than he loved Hagar? No. No, that's correct. Or like, like how you spelled pregnant wrong. I'm not saying you spelled pregnant wrong, you're done. But you spelled it right. I'm not sure spelling pregnant wrong is a sin anyway. <laughs> Maybe for Indians it is to spell something wrong. It's like a sin. <laughs> to not win the spelling bee, it's like a sin for Indians. Um, okay, we're way off topic. So let's get back to this. So that's the first paragraph is is talking about hypocrisy and judgment. Um, at, at, toward the end of the first paragraph, he says, God has been kind to you. He's been very patient waiting for you to change, but you think nothing of his kindness. Maybe you don't understand that God is kind to you so that you will decide to change your lives. It reminds me a lot of that scripture, God will show mercy to those who, who what is it? God will show mercy to those, to whom he will show mercy. No, to those who have been merciful, God will show mercy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that. And that, you know, this the whole paragraph, this first paragraph to me sounds a lot like it's a lack of mercy. I think that's the, the main problem. Do you guys agree that that's the main problem there of judging people harshly, lack of mercy? What Do you think there's any other problems that maybe we haven't talked about? Well, I mean, this, this part I just read about not understanding that God has been kind. God's kindness is, is there because he's patient with us. And he's being patient with us so that we can, we'll, we'll decide to change our lives. 
to stop sinning, to repent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people see God being patient with them or being kind to them and say, oh, God must be happy with what I'm doing. God must be blessing me because I've been behaving so well. Is that true? It's possible. Maybe that's true. But it's also possible that God is just waiting for you to, he's being patient with you, he's waiting for you to improve, to change your life. I think it's really frustrating to see people who are unmerciful, who are harsh judges, who are clearly um, outside of any kind of discipleship, any kind of teaching of God, and yet you see them prosper. You see them do very well. Like they, they continue to have success. They get to be very rich and have all these wonderful things. Um, it's very hard to see that, isn't it? But what's going on in the background you think that we can't see in that kind of a situation? Like what's going on with God, do you suppose? Dad, what Dad just said was a big hint toward that. Leela's looking at me like, what did you what did you just say? I'll repeat it again. God's been very patient with us, waiting for us to change. That's he's showing his kindness and patience, waiting for us to change. So if that's true. When you see people who they cheat, they lie, they steal, whatever, and they're you know, they're getting away with all of it, and they appear to have be super happy and just have everything that you've ever wanted. God's waiting for them to change. God's waiting for them to change. So do you suppose then that that's going to be their situation forever? Not forever, because he's still waiting for them to change. He knows that they're going to change. Well, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead, Eva. The person's not going to live forever. They're not, but what if they die and they're still... You know, they get to have all the benefits of their lying, cheating, stealing when they die. They, they can't. They don't get benefits from that after they're dead. Explain. Like, like that video you showed us a long time ago with the red string and the white string. Uh, Francis Chan, yeah. If you guys are wondering what she's talking about, you can YouTube uh, or search on YouTube for a, a video by Francis Chan. You just probably try searching for like string demonstration or something like that. Anyway, go something ahead. About time. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, just very briefly, I'll explain that he's got a really long rope and um, or a string, whatever. And part of it's colored in one color. I think it's red and the rest of it's white or maybe the other way around. And the, the part that's like just a tiny bit of red or a tiny bit of white, whatever, that represents our, our, you know, lives on earth. And then the rest of it, which goes on and on, he keeps yanking the rope. It just keeps coming. That represents eternity. Goes right. Across the stage, yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the point is what you do in this little bitty piece of time on your time on earth impacts forever and ever and ever. Anyway, go ahead. What about that? So that person, they're stealing only to benefit that little piece of red. And, um, they're not worrying at all about all that white in front of them. All of the white in front of them? Yeah. So you're saying that 
Uh, I'm envisioning that long string that goes clear across the stage, and then he's got like maybe an inch width of, of, of the red. And um, you're saying that when a person dies, the benefits of their lying, stealing, cheating, whatever, the benefits of their sin stop where that red line stops. And then you've got all the rest of eternity to pay the consequences of that. Or to benefit from it. Or to it. benefit from it, whatever. But we're talking about God being patient. So is it possible that a person can live their entire lives here on earth and die with be, be feeling happy and content with the, yeah, with what they've stolen, what they've lied to get, what they've cheated to get? Can somebody live their whole lives and die that way and be happy? And It feels like that person kind of won, doesn't it? They just went off and lived happily ever after with the stuff they, their ill-gotten gains. But as Christians, what do we know happens afterward? Especially thinking about where it says God's very patient and waiting for us to change. Still going to forgive you. You think God's still going to forgive you? But what if you're not repentant and you're just like, oh, I am the best. God has never gotten mad at me. I got away with it. Ha ha. Like stealing the cookie. Like stealing the cookie? Is that what happens? That a person gets to do that? They get to get away with it? Mm-mm. What happens? They go to hell. Can you explain a little bit more than just they go to hell? Like, I'm talking about like with God. What's happening with their relationship with God there? God was waiting for them to change to their, their red string, but they didn't. So they have to suffer the consequences through their right right string. Because what is it that God ultimately wants? He wants the person to turn away from their sins. What is that called, Lila, when a person turns away from their sin? Repentance. God wants repentance. And so if a person goes their entire life reaping the benefits of their ill-gotten gain, taking in. So they're taking in all the benefits of their ill-gotten gain their whole lives, and they never repent. Have they actually won something? No. They might. It's like, um, like if you're only talking about your life on Earth, it's like winning a pencil. That's all. Do you want a pencil? Yeah, you win a pencil. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's like all you got. You barely got anything. Because what you got on earth doesn't matter what you It doesn't after. compare to yeah, It doesn't matter after you die. So compared, okay, so you're saying that once you leave earth, whatever you had, your, your possessions, they don't matter, first of all. Yeah. And you said that the possessions you have on earth, the wealth that you have on earth is absolutely nothing. It's practically garbage compared to what God has to offer. It's like, you know, you know, Winning the lottery versus somebody handing you a pencil. Like, wah, wah, like, thanks, I'll, I'll write a thank you note. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so let's look at the second paragraph. The ending of the first paragraph was, maybe you don't understand that God is kind to you so that you will decide to change your lives. Second paragraph, but you are so stubborn. You refuse to change. So you are making your own punishment greater and greater. 
you will be punished on the day when God will show his anger. On that day, everyone will see how right God is to judge people. He will reward or punish everyone for what they have done. Some people live for God's glory, for honor, and for life that cannot be destroyed. They live for those things by always continuing to do good. God will give eternal life to them. But others are selfish and refuse to follow truth. They follow evil, and God will show his anger and punish them. He will give trouble and suffering to everyone who does evil, to the Jews first and also to those who are not Jews. But he will give glory, honor, and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jews first and also to those who are not Jews. God judges everyone the same. It doesn't matter who they are. So this is like a picture. You can imagine sort of the illustration in your mind where you have the scales of justice, right? And on one side, you've got uh, the people who are uh, doing good. And the other side, you've got people who are uh, doing evil. And he's, he's, he's basically, he's getting at this idea of everyone is the same. Everyone is equal. He's going to be sort of a blind judge when it comes to uh, looking at what we've done in life, judging what we've done in life, our actions. Here's the part that's confusing, is that Paul talks a lot about how we are saved by faith, not by works that any man should brag or boast, but by our faith. Abraham was called righteous because of his faith. The same way we are considered righteous. Okay, everybody wants to laugh at Eva's knees. Go ahead. I tried to make it silent. It was very good. I thought it was artful, but everyone's <laughs> distracted. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, you, you've the same way as Abraham. You know, we are made righteous with God. We're made righteous in God's eyes by faith. But here. Paul's saying something that sounds different. He's saying it almost sounds like he's saying that the works are what matter. Your works, if you do good, then God will give you eternal life, and if you do evil, God will punish you. Um, that seems like a contradiction. Remember, Mom used that word contradiction. So, what, what's what's the answer here? What's going on? Is Paul um, confused about what he thinks? Is he saying different things? It's the same guy who's writing these two different, two things that seem to be different, being written by the same person. I think the key to that is in verse 10, where it says, God will give glory, honor, and peace to everyone who does good. And we have to look back um, to see what it is that that is good. It's that those are the people who live for God's glory, for honor, and for life that cannot be destroyed. They live for those things by always continuing to do good. God will give eternal life to them. So it sounds like what they're saying isn't so much just that you're that you're doing good, it's that you love God. Like you're doing all these things out of love for God. I think that's can can someone who is not full of the Holy Spirit, someone who does not follow and love and submit to Jesus, can someone like that do these things? Can they live for God's glory and honor for life that cannot be destroyed? always continuing to do good? Is that possible? Those things, are they possible for someone who does not earnestly pursue Jesus? I think that's a 
tricky question because there are people who are not Christians who do not have the Holy Spirit in them that do good things. Right, but that's not all it says. It, right. it doesn't just say good things. It says live for God's glory. An, an, an atheist does not live for God's glory. An atheist may do good things. You know, I, I don't deny that. But an atheist does not live for God's glory, for, for honor, and for life that cannot be destroyed. Right. That to them is, to, to an atheist, that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's one side of the coin. The other side is, people who are selfish and refuse to follow truth. Can someone who is full of the Holy Spirit be selfish and refuse to follow truth? Someone who loves Jesus and and considers Jesus to be their master. Someone who truly tries to follow God. Can someone like that be selfish and refuse to follow truth? No. They're, they're, They're not, that's... <laughs> Lila's making all he's communicating purely through sign language and facial expressions. So you, you can talk, baby. You, you can speak. This is for you too. You got to speak up if you have something to say. Okay, don't continue to do that. Say say what's on your mind. You agree with me? Okay. <laughs> so I think that's the answer here. Is that Paul is not contradicting himself? He's saying things that seem like works. But really, they're descriptions of people who are believers and people who are not believers. People who are believers live for God's glory, live for God's honor and for life that cannot be destroyed. They live for those things by always continuing to do good. So that's another point is that it's not purely just doing good. An atheist can do good. An agnostic can do good. Secular humanists who are largely atheists can do good. But... They're not living for those things by doing good. In other words, their purpose of doing good is not the same as a believer's purpose in doing good. Their purpose in doing good is not to to live for God's glory or for honor or for life that cannot be destroyed. They may do good for other reasons, right? But what Paul is describing here is is a pattern of living and thinking that is unique or specific to people who are believers, And then on this other side, you have people who are selfish and refuse to follow truth. They follow evil. And so that's that's the opposite, right? That's the other side of the coin. So I think Paul is being perfectly consistent here. I have something I wanted to ask. I have heard people who are atheists who will say, um, you know, God is not good. He allows suffering to happen. He allows little kids to die of cancer. He allows people to you know, suffer horrible things in life. Um, I'm not going to obey a God who is, is already evil. I don't want to be judged. I'm not, I refuse to be judged by a God who is evil. What do you say as a Christian? What do you say to that? It's, um, it's not evil for him to kill the, the kids because he said that everything he does is for a good reason. He kills the kids for a good reason. Uh, also, Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I just forget the also part. Just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he did everything for a good reason. So, yeah. So you're saying God has a reason for doing everything and we don't have a right to question him? Yes. Okay. What, did, what were you going to say? I was going to say that 
he's not evil and explain that he's doing that for a good reason and nobody knows why. Do you think that God has the authority to judge people? So, um, God believes in justice, uh, and even for people who do go to hell, like, people still say God is evil because uh, he lets people go to hell. But he believes in justice, uh, and uh, he makes people go to hell because they're evil. So, um, yeah, just... So you're saying that people are calling justice evil, and that's wrong? Yes. Okay. That's a good point. I think what it says here in verse uh, 5... It says, this. he's talking about God showing judgment. He says, on that day, everyone will see how right God is to judge people. So, you know, we're, we think of, I think of a judge as being, you know, somebody in a big black robe and they've got the gavel, order, order in the court. And, you know, they have the right to judge people. Even you imagine the, the old wigs, the powdered wigs. <laughs> yes. Um, they have the right to judge people. Um, but, you know, those people that wear those robes, and maybe the powdered wigs, and they've got the big gavels, they sin too. Now, they are probably held and should be held to a higher standard than most other people, but they're also sinners. But wouldn't it still be okay because uh, they're judging against people who broke the law? The, the judge probably didn't break the law, so the judge has the right to judge the criminal. Yes, however, the law, like in America, the judges in America, judge people based on what they did according to their government's laws. God's law is very different. It demands complete, perfect holiness. Yes, but, sorry, but it, it, it kind of, doesn't it depend on, like, what what they're judging them for? Because, like, let's say someone committed a murder and the judge doesn't, is judging them for it. The judge probably didn't commit a murder, so it's probably okay for the judge to do it. I see what you're saying, yes. Um, and a judge, like I said, um, you know, to become a judge, you have to have a pretty clean legal record yourself. You can't have like a, a, a long criminal history if you're going to be a judge in America. But what we're talking about here is God's perfect law. God's law requires complete and total Holiness. American law does not require that. It just says, you know what, don't kill people, don't speed, don't steal stuff, which is good. Those are good laws. But God's law is a perfect law, and he demands justice according to that perfect law, like you were just saying before, Noah. So um, everybody is going to fall short of that. Everybody is not qualified to be a judge the way God is a judge. That doesn't mean that we can't act as judges over certain behavior, certain things, certain situations. But God is the judge, like all capital letters in, in flashing lights. God is the judge. Imagine in Hollywood. Yes. So um, I forgot where we were going with this. Oh, yeah, that God has, he's going to show how right he is to judge people. He's going to show that, you know what, I'm perfect. And I think... There's so many instances of that in, in the Bible where God shows his perfection to people and it's too much. I'm thinking about when he meets Moses on the mountaintop and he's like, you know, Moses is like, I want to see you. And he says, you can't handle that. I'll let you look at the back of my cloak as I go past. 
And even that was like totally earth shattering, mind blowing to him. And so during the day of judgment, we are going to see God face to face. And it is going to be traumatic and amazing. And we're going to see why God is right to judge people because we're going to see all of his perfection, all of his holiness. And it's going to be devastating because we're going to see our own sin. Is it going to be scary or amazing? Yes, both. Both. I want to, uh, it's time to wrap up. I want to close with a thought um, that I heard on a podcast by John Piper. I think it was kind of an old one. John Piper is a, a uh, pastor in a church in Minneapolis. I think it's called Bethlehem Baptist Church, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, um, you asked earlier, Christine, about this, this idea of an atheist sort of you know, angrily challenging uh, believers. You know, I don't want to, basically, I don't want to follow a God or I can't follow a God who would allow such evil things to happen. And the question that John Piper, that was posed a little bit differently to him, but it was very similar. The idea was the same, like, you know, something bad happens to a kid, like let's say some murderer, just, or, you know, Columbine, for example, right? Uh, there's some crazy guy who goes inside of school and shoots up a bunch of kids. Where was your God then? Where was your Jesus, right? Um, you hear about uh, Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. You hear about um, all kinds of injustices happening around the world, not just today, but over the years, over the millennia. Where was Jesus? And I loved John Piper's reply. He says, I'm paraphrasing here. This is not exactly what he said, but basically he said, Jesus is sitting on his throne in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting and watching storing up fury and wrath for the day of judgment against people who are doing this evil. That's where he is. So like, uh, so you mean that he's going to avenge people who are shot? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Remember we read in Revelation about how God has a special place right under his throne for the people who've died because of their belief in him. Martyrs. Martyrs, yes. yes. So, so I, hang on. Sorry. Uh, this is off topic, and I'm just curious, but uh, wouldn't that make it good to be a martyr? Yeah. Yes, it would. But you shouldn't go, the purpose in life is not to go try to die for Jesus. Like, that's not, Just so you can, yeah, 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 yeah. motivation is wrong. He's going to be like, uh-uh-uh, that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> like on the Jurassic Park, Park. uh-uh-uh, uh-uh. can say the magic word. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, you shouldn't just Man world. Do what? What'd you say? You shouldn't what? You shouldn't just try and be a martyr, but it's good to be a martyr, but it's not... If you happen to be one, great, yes. but don't go out like... Don't try to be one. I believe in Jesus! Who's got a gun? Like, don't yeah. do that. That's dumb. Yeah, your, your purpose in life is to treat yourself as well as possible, to live as long as possible, to serve God for as long as possible. Yes. That should be your goal, not trying to be a martyr. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, I think that's it. We've kind of run out of time here. Not that there's any kind of official time but running long so yeah, <laughs> i'm tired so we're done <laughs> um okay any any parting thoughts anybody anything else final final uh opportunity here no i think what we need to take away from this is just to remember that as christians our job is to love each other 
if we're in a position to judge, we need to do it with loving, kindness, mercy, um, understanding that we, we should be always living under the fear of God, the respect and awe of God. Agreed. Amen.